a new Lent message series that our preaching team is titled Living Water. There are these incredible imageries throughout all of Scripture that, that the life of God and the life giving kind of water of God is available to us. And we think about things like baptism and we think about interactions of Jesus where he, he inspires us to look to him that we would drink deeply of the living water that he wants to pour into our souls. And I don't know if you've ever been dehydrated, but dehydration is deadly. Physically, if you've ever been physically dehydrated, you sometimes find yourself in the hospital and you need refreshment. You need it or you could die. You can go a lot longer without food than you can go without water. And the fact of the matter is, I think we have allowed our lives to become spiritually dehydrated because we don't drink daily. We don't drink daily of the wellspring of life that God wants to pour into our souls. And as good as this is, and it's great, and if you're online, it's good there too, it's good in the room, it's good for your friends. One service a week, an hour and 20 minutes, maybe today an hour and 25 minutes is not going to be enough. It will, you will live dehydrated. That's like drinking one glass of water a week. You cannot do it. And so our heart, listen to it, our heart in this series is that we would allow ourselves to consider how spiritually thirsty we might really be. In a world and in a culture here locally that's driven on consumerism, you are being bombarded with stuff to try to satisfy your soul. And it will not. And there's invitation. We believe God is an inviting God. And this is not a shame, this is not a guilt, this is an invitation to come drink from the well that does not run dry, to discover rhythms in your life that will allow you to spiritually hydrate every day, maybe every moment, when you need it most. And so I want you to turn in your Bible if you brought one. If you did not, that's okay. It's going to be on the screen behind us, or you can use the YouVersion Bible app to the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament declares of the living water of God, just like the New Testament does. The Old Testament is the first part of the Bible. And in the Old Testament, there is a book called Isaiah, and this is a uh, prophetic voice. It is a voice that calls us to turn towards God, and this is Isaiah 55. And I'm going to read this to us. Actually, would y'all read this first slide with me? Let's join in and add your voice if you're comfortable. Come, all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Pause. Come, a God of invitation. Come, those who need it. Come, those without any resource to acquire it. Come. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you. My faithful love promised to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander 
of the peoples. Surely you will summon nations you know not. And nations you do not know will come running to you because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel. For he has endowed you with splendor. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord. And he will have mercy on them and to our God, for he will freely pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it, without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. You will go out in joy, be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush will grow the juniper, and instead of briars, the myrtle will grow. This will be for the Lord's renown, for an everlasting sign that will endure forever. There is so much hope and invitation in Isaiah 55. It invites us to come and to just be okay being thirsty. See, what I love about this is the invitation to us is come all who are thirsty. So just let's get it right that the invitation to us is to get real with where we are and what we need and to not check that at the door and come in pretending like we're satisfied, come in like we're replenished, but be okay being in a community of people who go, we're the thirsty ones. We are the thirsty ones, which means this, and this might be the hardest thing for all of us to do, is in the invitation to the thirsty is an invitation to humility. Church, right now, in our day and time, the thing that people need to see most in followers of Jesus is humility. The greatest gift we could give our city, the greatest gift we can give our family, the greatest gift we can give our roommates, the greatest gift we can give our coworkers, the greatest gift we can give our neighbors, the people that we interact with on the roads here in Houston is our humility. As followers of Jesus, we can never distance ourselves from humility. It is the posture of our heart that says, I am thirsty. I am weak, I have limitations, I am not God, I do not know at all. How are you doing in the humility department? How are you doing in the softness of your heart? What's interesting is that we step into this story in Isaiah, it's a journey of God with the people of God, walking with God. And regularly the corrective voice to the people in the Old Testament is your hearts are hard and your necks are stiff. And I just think, I'm no different. I am prone to have a hard heart. I am prone to think I know better and to lock myself in. And this text says, church, embrace humility. His ways are higher than my ways. And everybody goes, thank you, God. 
That's so good. How are you doing in the humility department? Maybe today we need to take an honest assessment of our own heart and our own ideas, and we need to humble ourselves again to God and go, God, I have been arrogant. I have been prideful. I have thought I know how to do this. I am working tirelessly to satisfy myself with my own efforts, with my own strength, with my own job, with my own consumerism, with my own money, and you are asking me to come to you, the giver of life. It's an invitation to humility. My walk with God is always one of humility. This text in Isaiah points us to Jesus. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary. Come to me, all you who are tired, who are burned out, who are worn out, and I will give you rest. And Jesus says this about himself, For I am humble and gentle of heart. If we are going to be people who follow Jesus and live like Jesus, we need to have the heart of Jesus in us, which is humility. And even in Isaiah, it says it. It talks about his humility to welcome, to forgive, to be gracious, to be merciful. We need to be the same. And the only way we will be that in this day and time is to let the living water of God have access to every part of our being. I think for us as a community, it is not a time to look out there and point and go, if that out there would look more like Jesus, I think it's an appropriate time, especially in Lent, for us to look at ourselves and say, what if I looked more like Jesus? What if I allowed my life and my heart to get more connection to what I really thirst for, which is the living God? And when we do that, it invites us into this incredible story where we experience this invitation to humility, which if you don't feel some tension in that, if you don't feel a little bit of God moving closer to you going, hey, I have more humility for you, then I think we need to listen a little bit more intently. (laughs) I mean, at least I do. But what's beautiful is it immediately calls us into the global gospel story. And I say global with great intentionality. It is the global gospel story, the good news of God for all the world, for everyone made in his image. That is our invitation, to join God in the mission of God, pursuing the people that he loves here on earth. He is above it all. He is over it all. He created it all, and he loves all humanity, and his desire is that we would join in that global gospel story. And Isaiah 55 points us to it. It points us to it. You will summon the nations you know not. Nations you do not know will come running to you. Because of the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, for he has endowed you with splendor. I am a picture of the global gospel story. I was not from the nation state Israel, yet the good news extended to me. And the nations are here. The nations are our neighbors. The nations are our city. We get to proclaim the glory of God to step into the global gospel story because that is the work of heaven coming here to earth. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And here's why it matters. It matters for this day and time. 
because his, God is saying he's a covenant God. He's a relational God. He's a loving God. And that is about connection and community. And it's this, that if we are a covenant community, we are God's. Covenant connection yields a compelling community that invites others to come drink, to come be at the table, to come join in the family. This picture of us being a united community is the testimony, the story to those not yet who are coming, to those who are on the outside, those who are on the fringe saying it's possible and there's a place for you. Come to the well. Come drink deeply of what I'm offering. And we again have to look to Jesus. So we're reading Isaiah 55, declaring that this is what God's up to. And we look at Jesus in Luke, meeting the Samaritan woman at the well, reaching across racial and ethnic divides in that day and time. And the interaction is beautiful, and you should go check it out. And Jesus just looks with love and compassion in his eyes and in his heart. And he says, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask me for living water and I would give it to you and it would never run out. And then Jesus begins to paint this picture of the church raising, being raised up in worship in the unity of the Spirit. This is the work of God and it's the story of God and it's revealed in Jesus and it is our invitation to be a people who are willing to say we're thirsty for more of what you have. We want to see more people experience the good news of your kingdom coming here and now. That I can be whole, that I can experience freedom, I can have a relationship with the living God, and I can be free from the pressure that I have to make myself right, but I can begin to step into your ways, which are higher than my ways. I can step into your love, which is better than my love. I am invited into the story of God, and it puts me in a family that is finding its unity in Jesus and the life of the Spirit. And Jesus says, come and drink. Come, all who are thirsty. Come, walk with me. Come, experience covenant relationship with me. Come, build a community that should look different and is a glimpse of heaven here on earth. Are you thirsty for more of what God has? Are you thirsty for things that the world cannot provide? Are you thirsty for something more than consumerism? Are you thirsty? Philip Sheldrake in Befriending Our Desires says this, Our most authentic desires spring ultimately from the deep inner wells where the longing for God runs freely. You have a longing for God in your life. You might go, Kurt, that makes no sense to me. Like this is my first day in church. I'm not even really sure why I'm here. Or I've been around church. I'm not really a fan. I'm not really sure that I believe in all this. I was talking with somebody recently, and I asked them, I said, is faith something that is important to you? Is church something that is a part of your life? It's a part of mine. They go, no, I don't really believe in God. And the first thought that went through my head is, what if God believes in you? See, I relate to God so self-centered that it comes through me and then to God. But if God is the creator of all and the maker of all and his ways are higher than my ways, I need to begin to relate to myself and the world and use God as the starting point. So what if God believes in you? 
What if God loves you? What if God wants to reveal himself to you in a greater way so that your life is lived by the spirit of God filling you and the living water of God is pouring through you and it just moves from you to everybody around you because you were made for this. You were made to walk with God in the garden. You were made to have relationship with God. God believes in you and made you in his image. Step into the story of God. Humility, the good news, and an invitation to repentance. Repentance. And you might go, I don't like this, Kurt. <laughs> Telling me I got to change. Telling me I need to check my pride at the door. I don't like it. I'm sorry. A good old Dr. Phil question is, well, how's it working out for you on your own way? How's your approach to this all working out? Isaiah 55. I keep coming back to it. It's a good text. We should just like read it all week. Seek the Lord while he may be found. That makes me feel like sometimes God is out of my reach. It's kind of beyond me. And then listen what it says next. Call on him while he's near. My posture is to seek the reality of God as he's near. And part of that is for me to turn. Repentance is about turning. Turning from my own ways and saying, God, I need you. It is humility expressed in repentance and forgiveness. It is the bedrock of our faith story. And every time we're imperfect, we're invited to repent. Every time I go my own way and I express my pride and I express my arrogance and I express my way, God will lovingly be near and say, turn. Repent. Ask for forgiveness. I'm ready to give it. There's freedom. There is mercy. There is grace. Step back into my story. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, he will freely pardon. This is good news. This is the good news of that gospel story that's all over the globe. And it's in the Old Testament. Don't think for a minute the Old Testament is not full of the unfailing love of God. Do not think for a minute that the Old Testament is revealing some other God. This is the God who loves, who pardons, who says, come be a part of my family. No money, that's okay, I got enough. Step into the story of God. Are you thirsty? If you are thirsty for more, you're being invited today into God's ways, to the way of God. The most challenging thing about the way of God is this. You have to surrender and you have to follow. He's not hiding it from you. He wants you to walk in community. He wants you to experience freedom and pardon and grace and mercy. And then he says, would you just begin to humble yourself underneath my ways and walk in my ways and I will walk with you and I will show you that. That's where we have God's word, we have scripture, we have community, we have the Holy Spirit, we have all these things available to us to drink the living water of God. Would you step into God's story in a deeper way today? Would you step into God's story in a deeper way? Because when you do, it's always an invitation to life. It is always an invitation to life. Come, all you who are thirsty. 
Come to the waters, and you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Give ear to me and come to me. Listen that you may live. Listen that you may live. Are you listening? And are you thirsty for more of what God has? So I want you to take a moment to listen. Consider the desires of your heart for God. If you are already in this room and you are following Jesus, his ways are still higher than your ways. He has more for you. There is more for what God wants to do in your life than you've yet to figure out. It is an invitation to humility. It is an invitation to the good news of the gospel story. It's an invitation to receive more. If you are here today and you have never begun a relationship with Jesus where you say, I'm going to come and follow you, you are Lord. That means you are above me and I surrender and I come beneath you and I humble myself and I repent and I turn and I turn. I don't know, where, where do you need to turn from? What do you need to turn from? What's trying to fill you and you need to turn? Today you can step into that story because he has already declared his heart for you and it's that he loves you. So I'm going to pray a prayer, and I just want it to be quiet for a minute, and I want you to listen. God, what do you want to do in our lives today? What is the invitation that you have for us? We make ourselves available to you as we bring this time together to a conclusion. We say, would you come and speak that we might listen to you? What is the more you have for us? Are you thirsty? Come. Are you discouraged? Come. Are you angry? Come. Are you doubting? Come. I want to invite you to stand as a community. We're going to have some ministry time today to close. In humility, I think we come. It's in humility that we receive. It's in humility we seek because we know there is something out there better than what we have currently been able to produce for ourselves. 
In humility, we repent. We confess that we are weak. We confess that we are imperfect. We confess that there is sin in our lives, which is anything living outside of God's best or God's story. In humility, we receive. I invite us as a community over these days leading us towards Easter to reflect, take time with God and listen, to repent. Anything that's unfolding in your life that is not aligned with God, turn from it. He is willing and ready to give forgiveness and mercy and to pardon and then to receive his life. To receive his life. If you're here today and you're available to pray with people, I want you just to come make yourself visible. This would be small group leaders, our equip, our prayer ministry team, staff. And here's my, this is like the simple invitation. If you want more than what you have, I think you need to come get prayer before you leave today. And if it feels like a million miles to walk from wherever you are down here to the front, go for it. If it feels like a million miles, grab the person next to you and say, I want more, and I need you to pray for me. We can all do this. We can all do this. And so even now, God, we just ask for your kingdom to come. We bless this community. What we need is your living water poured into our lives. So I just say, would you do it now, God? Would you allow imagery of what that means, whether it's a powerful waterfall or it's a steady stream or a gentle brook or just this, this actual well in the desert that does not run dry. Wherever it is, whatever that imagery is, would you begin to just speak to everybody? Would you pour your life out into them? We need you, Jesus. We need your living water. Come and pour out your kingdom in this place. We receive from you, we need you, we seek you, and every good gift that you give to us, would we make it available as we go throughout our week. And what we're doing right now, just posturing ourselves before you, would you remind us to do it on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, in the morning and in the evening, as we come and as we go, would we humble ourselves before you? We are thirsty for more of you. And we bless this community to receive all that it needs from you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.